I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are two fantastic hosts. Uh, first off, Liz, say hi. Hello. Uh, and secondly, Joe. I Go contain boy. multitudes. Hi. Yeah, one hopes he does. Um, but preferably, you know, multitudes that, that don't, you know, charge things to your credit card. Uh, <laughs> any, anyway, it's, it's uh, kind of been a nuts month and a nuts year and a nuts everything, but a lot of video games are coming out. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The release schedule is jam-packed with things. Uh, th- today, as we're recording this, it's Tuesday. Uh, patch 9.2 has dropped for Shadowlands. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Uh, we also got Horizon Forbidden West last week. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to say Friday? Friday of last week? Is that right, guys? Yeah. Friday was the official well, release day, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're getting Elden Ring in like three days. Also on a Friday release, yep. Mm-hmm. The 25th. Guild Wars, Guild Wars is a new expansion, which they haven't had an expansion in five years, so it's a pretty big deal. That's coming out on the 28th, so like literally the last day of the month. Um, the Spoker, the first one's raid, is going to be opening uh, the first day of March, March 1st, although it does not have three of its boss encounters will not be unlocked. It'll be everything a normal and heroic up to Anduin. Then next week after that, uh, the, the 8th of March, the entirety of the Sepulchre will unlock for, for normal and heroic. Mythic will also get the full thing, and LFR will get we, we, Wing 1. And then it's like each two weeks, I want to say? Yeah, I LFR. think it's two weeks. Two weeks they spread yeah. out LFR a lot. Yeah. I also, I didn't even mention that uh, Cyberpunk, which I'm streaming for people who are watching the stream, Cyberpunk 2077 got its patch 1.5, which is essentially a, a soft reboot they've called it um the C- cdpr doesn't call it but lots of other people have called it that it, it adds a lot changes a lot makes makes a lot of quality of life improvements and in general is just if you if you're playing the game on a, a next gen console it's just a phenomenal upgrade it looks so much better 
Um, they've also deliberately taken some steps. This is something I found fascinating. They very deliberately have, have not released certain content for older previous generation consoles. They just, they finally made the decision to say, this is a con- next gen game. It's for the next gen consoles. And that to me is interesting because up till now, a lot of game companies have been trying to get to, to make both game consoles work. Like if you've got a game coming out for the PS, the PS system, like Forbidden West did. Forbidden West has PS4 and PS5 versions. And it, yeah, and it, it's it is a technical game. marvel in regards to like how they did it. Like they they made it work really well as well. Yeah, I'm playing it on PS4. I, I don't have a Same. PS5. And I'm playing it on I, PS5. I, yeah. See, I'm I'm pretty sure the PlayStation Five is a myth, and no one actually owns one. And Joe has just hallucinated this whole thing. My cat so, trying to eat it says otherwise. <laughs> I'm dude, that doesn't say anything. Cats try to eat everything. You might have seen I mean, the cat trying to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> Am I dead? Is my cat trying uh, to eat? Oh god. Ah okay. Existential I, I actually I remember this with uh Dragon Age Inquisition, I believe, which was like the last DLC you needed uh the PlayStation 3 and it had been playable on the two. There was something about the last DLC where you had to upgraded. Yeah. And you couldn't access they, it otherwise. They had a thing. I remember this because it was that was the hair patch. Like it sounds goofy, but I remember that because the last DLC actually fixed the the weird hair bugs that were going on. And for whatever reason, the code only worked on that next quote unquote next gen console, which was the PS3 at the time. Like it was a weird or the PS4. PS4 to PS3 to PS3 to PS4. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like it was like this weird thing. They could not get it to work. On the three, and it would only work on the four. It was the weirdest bug. Yeah, I, I don't, I didn't have a, a three, and I didn't get my four until late. But yeah, there, it's it's interesting to see when they do that. I think it's it's been complicated by the fact that it's been fairly hard to get the next gen consoles. Uh, not even because the companies, it's not that the companies don't want to get them to you. Uh, I'm sure Sony would love to sell more of them because they they certainly would like the money, but. It's the market. It's between between scalpers, the, the constantly yeah scalpers, the constantly accelerating cost of the components, uh, international shipping still being a gong show uh, right well, now, and, and we still have a chip shortage out there, which has yep. affected uh, GPUs for PCs for everything. So it's yeah, just hard cars. to manufacture enough. Yeah, uh, the the chip shortage for those of you that are that are, I, I see some comments coming in chat here. Um, the chip shortage isn't going into 2023. It is projected to go through 2023, which means we're probably not going to start getting back up to even remotely close to, to uh, standard production for PCs and even smart devices, and not even just next gen consoles until maybe 2024, maybe 2024. Yeah, it's it is the the the, the between the complications of sh- international shipping, people who've decided that no matter what people tell them. Uh, weird cartoon apes are really valuable and you must have them. Uh, it's just like I've said before, no one, in, no one at any point in planet of the apes realized that the true menace wasn't talking apes, but depressed looking pictures of apes that apparently That's congregated in a yacht club of some sort. Yeah. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah. No, no idea what's going on with that, but so yeah, games gaming right now is in a really interesting place where I think, I think it's fair to say a lot of games that got pushed back from 2020 and 2021 are coming out now. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why we've seen, like, I mean, I we haven't even gone into the March releases, and there's quite a few March releases, like Tiny Tiny Tina's Wonderland is coming out. Um, that's one I'm interested in, which is a completely different type of game than than what it's based off of. Like, it, yep, it's got the core absolutely. of it, but oh my god, so excited yeah. for it! And I mean, it's just there's a lot. Um, there is a lot going on. I I think it's kind of we we do need to talk more about nine point two because well, you know, you guys, a lot <laughs> yeah. of people come here for the Blizzard part of Blizzard Watch. Um, I am. I am really fascinated by this patch because it simultaneously feels like it's been like a year and a, like a half by now, right? This this game started like Shadowlands expansion started in like what November of 2020. That's when we got we finally actually got it. Or was it October? Uh, it was November 23rd, if I remember correctly. Okay, yeah. So it's actually a year and a few months in now. We're like we're in like February going into March. It's so it's it's like a year, three months, year, four months. So that feels like simultaneously it feels long and short to be on the final patch. I mean, to be um, fair, I think, I think it's just because we we haven't been getting them as quickly as we have, but they've been meaty updates, right? Like, yeah, this one's pretty freaking big. Yeah, it's huge. And also, we got it's been a really long time since nine point one. We got nine point one in June. Yeah, June twenty twenty one. So that's just. That's a big gap. Yeah, and we got a nine point one point five, but that that was that was you know it was QOL tiny. one thing. Yeah, yeah. So and we're gonna get nine point two point five, and that's gonna have the cross faction stuff is is said to be for nine two five, but it's not. We don't unless unless they they pull another Wrath of the Lich King and throw in like a small one boss raid at you know just at the end for some reason. I think it's gonna be more like Legion, where at the last after the last raid it was done. And and the next thing that came out was bridging the gap to Battle for Azeroth, but we have, we have no idea. We have no idea what comes after this. this. This is the end, but we don't know what. We don't really even know like how the fight resolves. We know that it's there. We know that there is a fight, but no one's really seen it yet. It's been on the PTR a little bit, I think. Um, mechanic mechanic wise, but they didn't put anything of the ending of it in. So like, yeah, it's been like here we're going to test this phase or we're going to test this thing to see how it goes. They're playing this one a little bit closer to their chest, which is, I think, okay. No, I, I thought it was interesting that they they're not even releasing anything past Anduin the first time for the first week that the the raid is even out. I kind of think it makes sense though with the way the story is going too. Like we and we'll probably talk about this on Lore Watch this this coming Sunday. Uh, but like I, it's an interesting choice, but I think it fits because you what would you do naturally if you like get to this point where you rescue Anduin? you'd probably take a beat to make sure he was okay or whatever was going on with him was set before you moved on to the next leg of the journey, which was like the final confrontation. So like people, I know some people are like real salty about it. And I've seen some pretty, pretty terrible comments about like the release schedule for it, which don't be that person. I don't think we have to say this again, but I'm going to say it again. Anyway, don't be that person. Um, but like, it makes sense for a story beat wise, why it would take a moment you to collect yourself before heading forward. I mean, I think there's room to discuss like why they're doing it and discuss what it is means. fine. No, discussion is fine. I mean, going on like yet another tear of, of insults and abuse is not. And I think I'm well established. Everybody here is well established as not supporting that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's it is really interesting because it's going to have, and I think to some degree on purpose. Like, I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys. Would see what you think. I think that part of the reason they're not doing it the first week when normal and heroic start is because they don't want mythic raiders 
to get to run the normal slash heroic versions and get an idea of how the fight is going to feel. I think that's part of it. Yeah. Like Liz, what do you think? Um, I mean, maybe it's part of it, but I don't think it's the whole motivation because like mythic's going to go live and they're still going to be running normal heroic, whatever, probably heroic, uh, uh, splits to gear up, you know, before they dive super far into mythic at some point, they're going to go back and do that. So they're going to be able to see the fight. Before oh, yeah, but, they go into it. Can I just go on record to say that I hope the jailer fight is not another 15 minute fight, please? Oh, boy, I, I hope not. I, I got some bad news for you. Uh, it's, it's, got, it's got four the phases. Sil- so did the, the Thunder Sylvanas King. fight was exhausting. The Thunder King so had four exhausting. phases, and the Thunder King was not 15 minutes. I'm just throwing it out there. I think, I feel like you're going to. I am just talking purely on what I've looked at the mechanics of this thing. But the sheer amount of go to this platform, do this thing feels like it's going to be a long, long, long fight. I feel like it's going to be somewhat like uh, the Denathrius fight. I, you know what? I'm okay which, with that. I'm okay with that. Denathrius wasn't but was long. Imagine but it wasn't if that bad. Denath- imagine if Denathrius was was twice as much stuff. Like instead of having two relatively well defined phases, it had four. I feel like that's where we're going with the with the the jailer. I'm not, I'm not saying this because I want it to be that case. I'm not trying to punish you here, but <laughs> it's it's just the feeling I get looking at it. Yeah, we'll see. Could be, I could be wrong. We'll see. We haven't I haven't actually seen it. I'm yet. D- I mean, we're we're definitely going to find out. Like I I I know our our guild is diving into it as soon as we can. So I do think that there's some there are some merits to doing it with a stopping and in the first week. Because Anduin is a really big part, not just story-wise, but it makes sense for him to be the break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know that you you get to this point, and then next week you you can go. You could theoretically even extend and then go in next week and just start on the next three if that's what you want to do. Although I don't think most people will. I think most people are going to want to clear the first eight and then go back in the next week and clear them again uh, to get more gear. Liz mentioned doing splits. They're, you know they're going to do raid splits the first week. And get oh, yeah. as much gear Absolutely. as they can. And then the next yeah. week, they're going to do raid splits and clear it all the way up to the jailer to, again to get more gear for people. And then for they're sure. going to go in and do mythic. So I, I, that's that's dead on. That's going to happen. I do wonder if we're going to see this in the future with other raids. Every time they do something like this, I always think, are we going to see this again? Because if you look at the the, the staggered LFR schedule has become a mainstay. Like the LFR, the first wing comes out the second week, and then every two weeks you get another wing until they're done. And th- th- that's been the case. I don't think it was for the first LFR, but I don't remember well enough because it's it has a, it's at this point, LFR has been around since Dragon Soul. Um, we've actually had LFR for like 10 years. And, and that means that it's hard for me to remember what it was like back then because t- <laughs> 10 years ago, I still knew what hope was, you know, so... But I, I do think that, that we might actually see this happen for other raids that will have phases, even for normal and heroic, where you, you, you can go this far this week, but next week you can actually go further. I think it's interesting to see staggered content release in that way, and I'm not sure how it'll play forward. But that means there's lots more to talk about for 9.2, so I'm going to try and move on to some stuff that Liz handily mentioned. Um, we've got Flight, and it's going to be relatively soon from what i understand it isn't going to be like the long slog we had at the end of battle for azeroth um i'm gonna actually ask liz you go ahead and like can you like expound on this for a little bit um sure i'll do my best um 
I've actually heard a lot of like, oh, it takes so long to unlock flying, but this is flying in Zareth Mortis, and we've never had flying in like the last patch zone. Have we ever? I don't think we've ever had flying in the last patch of an expansion. That's just been the super hard, exciting zone that you can't fly in and you have not, to stay on the ground and it's super hard. I, I remember it in uh, Warlords. Technically, in, in Tanan Jungle, you had flying. Technically, you BFA didn't, yeah. didn't have a zone for the final patch. Yeah. It was a raid. Legion, yeah. didn't, Legion didn't have it for Argus. Correct. None of the zones in Argus you could fly in. There wasn't any special extra zone in BFA aside from. You could do the invasions the, and you could fly in the invasions. Yeah, you absolutely could. And uh, so so it's been back and forth, but they, they had it in Warlords. They didn't have it in Legion. They had it in BFA, but they didn't have a special zone in BFA. And now we're going to have this special zone and you're going to get flying fairly quickly. Uh, yeah, about three weeks. Um, I mean, three weeks if you do everything. It's it's not, it's just an achievement. It's not a super hard achievement. Uh, the hardest thing is probably that you have to find, I believe it's some scrolls around the zone. And on the PTR, they weren't shared loot. So they would spawn and one person would click on them. And uh, you can see the problem with that. Uh, but, you know, in three weeks, that shouldn't be a problem. Or it's possible they changed that since the PTR. Um but it's just not a complicated achievement. It's like you explore Zareth Mortis, you do some of the story, you kill some rares. And the only reason it's going to take three weeks is because it requires you to have unlocked the Zareth Mortis story up to a certain point. Uh, and that does not, the story is going to roll out over the weeks like they usually do. So uh, that's the only slowdown there. Um, I do think it is interesting that they're letting us fly and letting us fly relatively quickly here. I have seen people saying, you know, this is really punishing. Blizzard doesn't like us to have fun and things like that. Um, yeah, I feel like this is a lot more flexible than we've seen in the past. What do y'all think? Do you think this is, do you think just not allowing us to fly is like a punishing thing? I don't, but I get why it bothers people. Um, yeah. There's always that sense of, you know, why did I do this if you're not even letting me do it? Flight's always been one of those things that I felt like was a mistake. Like, I felt like they should have said, okay, now that we're not on Draenor anymore, now that it's not Outland anymore, you can't do it. And just just been done with it. Flying was special for that. But they didn't. And indeed, then when Cataclysm came out, they they went even harder in on flying and, and changed the old world so flying worked there. Once they did that, I felt like the, the constant attempt they had to have their cake and eat it too with flying wasn't really working. Like, they keep trying to make zones where you couldn't fly and then, you know, let you fly later. And it, I, I honestly felt like the end of Cataclysm was the best way to do it, where you just got flying. You didn't, you didn't have to regain it. You just went up to these zones, and the zones were designed with flying in mind. You might as well just accept it. You, yeah. you took the toothpaste out of the tube. You can't put it back in. Yeah, it, was a, it was a Pandora's box. You know, yeah, they yeah. gave us flying, and now everyone expects flying. And I, I love flying. I hate being tied to the ground, but... Uh, I do feel like Blizzard's gotten more flexible on this. The achievement to fly in Shadowlands was much uh, less painful to get through than previous uh, flying achievements. And uh, this Zareth Mortis flying achievement will, does not sound like it's going to be bad. And we'll be able to fly through the skies in just a few weeks. And honestly, like 
with the whole flying thing, one of the arguments that used to be made about, like, we want you to experience the art of the zones. Cool. Give me flying. Like, I'm still going to go and, and see what's up there. And I think they're they're finally coming around to that idea of like, yeah, people are just going to go and explore the zones. They're probably more inclined to explore the zones when they can fly places. Hey, that looks really cool. What's over there? I'm going to go take a look versus, hey, what's cool? What's over there? I can't get up this mountain. OK, well, I guess I'm going to forget it exists in three weeks. Like it's there. It's definitely better. And high mountain is a zone that I keep thinking. About yes. Talk about flying high, high mountain. mountain. Yep. Once I had flying, High Mountain became much more interesting to me. And enjoyable, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because if you wanted to get somewhere, you could go there and not try and find the one path that winds its way through the, like, you know, laboriously constructed mountains and not have to worry about, like, oh, uh uh-oh, I rode into the Hunter, you know, lodge, so now I'm getting teleported (laughs) out. Like, it it just made it much easier. I don't, I, I understand and I sympathize with the idea of you wanting to present something where environmental effects provide challenge. You want monsters that are just roaming around to be something players have to deal with when they're leveling. I get it. You want to have people having to pick their way through this complex zone. And we've gotten some really beautiful zones that have that have really worked around that principle. I mean, I think Ardenweald is one of the best looking zones I've ever been to. Um, and it very much, when you're when you're leveling through it, it's based around that conceit of having to travel to these distant places. But I think it's it's good to let people get flying as quickly as possible. I agree. I am I am down for that. I think I that it's totally right thing to do. So that's just me. But I mean, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. And I think I personally think that long gating of flying is horrible. So anything that does that speeds it up. But also, I think they're also presenting the zones in a way that like three weeks doesn't feel like a lot, really, especially when you can do this stuff in such a manner that it's not it doesn't feel like you have to have an infinite amount of time to do it. Right. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Like yeah. it's, it yeah. feels more accessible now, even with that timing versus yeah, it'll take three weeks. If you spend, you know, 30 hours a day doing this, like, so it, it just, it feels better all around when we can do it quicker. But another thing from 9.2 that I want to reference because I love this sentence in this email, new cosmic flux currency, because we don't have enough currency. We yeah. have so many currencies. I, I, so many currencies. I, I just love this the snark in this sentence. Well, I wish I'm I'd just, come up with not it. I'm wrong. tired. I'm tired of currency. I'm tired of keeping track and remembering what each one does and remembering each one's unique name and keeping track of the inventory items that give me currency for what and when. And this is too much. This is too much. This is exactly how I felt for Arcanite. Uh, not Arcanite, um, Azeroth armor, whatever it was called. Azerite. Yeah, yeah. Azerite armor. Like, just the way the system, it wasn't that the system was bad. It was that it was just more stuff to keep track of. And I was mm-hmm. tired of it. I, I definitely feel like that's this, the snark of this is, is perfect. Because, again, I don't think Cosmic Flux is a bad idea. I don't think no. the currency is a bad idea. I just feel like it could have been something we were already getting. So we didn't have to like, oh, and now my cosmic flux, you know, it's it's just, yeah, I get that you you were going to a new place and there's new stuff there. I do understand that concept. I do know that's what it is. It is not really intended to complicate things. It's just more of the same kind of stuff. 
But in practice, it actually does complicate things because now I have a new little box on my my multifold Can, currency thing. On my I page. barely figured out like Soul Ash and Soul Cinders. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like there, I mean, there there comes a point where there's just too much, and we're right. We're I think we're there. Sorry, I understand. Well, I understand why they do it. They don't want us to like farm up a ton of Soul Cinders. And then day one of patch 9.2, we buy everything because we already have all the I, currency. I mean, I have a solution. The same damn yeah. thing they did with Valor Points. We're hit a soft huh. reset. Here's all of this thing converted into silver. Have a nice day. By the way, go farm more of it for this next next light. And then you don't force oh, yeah, players to have fair. to have a whole other a whole other thing. Like they literally took care of this with Valor Points when they would do soft resets. They did this with uh, Honor Points. Uh, when we had the the or the two different um, uh, PvP uh, currencies, and they would do soft resets between the seasons and convert leftovers into to cash, like do that, do something like that. I, and I mean, again, I'm not a game developer. I don't know what what's going on. I don't know the conversations they have. But like to me as a player, that would feel better. I think, and also solve the farming problem versus. You know, here's another currency to keep track of and worry about and have on your bars and cluttering the UI. Because that's another thing, too. That UI is chock full of stuff we don't use anymore. It, it's mm, sorry. <laughs> I feel very strongly about this. Yeah, I, I just like I said, I liked I liked that sentence. I think it sums up the problem pretty effectively. But it is if you're going to be gearing up an alt or gearing up your characters in patch 9.2, you're going to want to know about Cosmic Flux and you're going to want to understand what the double legendary system is. Oh Lord. I had to find it. We found a video that like breaks it down to like five minutes and I had to watch that thing like six times. Yeah, it is basically you you'll have one legendary. That's your original legendary that you're wearing anyway. And then there's the new one that you can, that, that, that comes from your covenant. That's the only one you can wear with another legendary. It isn't, and, and then there's flux of course, or something. Like yeah, that. it's all cosmic flux. It's to upgrade legendaries to rank seven. So uh, I mean, the the interesting thing about the new legendary is that it's a covenant legendary, but it's the covenant legendary for all covenants. Like you can switch covenants, and it's the same. You know, your legendary switches instead of having to make a new legendary, which headache, super headache, if you were liked the covenant legendaries for more than one. Um. But it gets even more complicated than that because you're going to earn it with reputation. And in a belt slot that's, uh, I think, item level 265. Yes. And you can't upgrade it. You can't upgrade that. To upgrade it, you need to get more reputation and then buy a memory and then you can craft it on something. But the one you can buy is just... It's locked to a belt slot and it's locked item level. So it's just like, this is a layer. This is like an extra layer of complication that I don't understand. It's not even just that it's complicated. It's that it is just yet another step. Yes. In a situation where I'm looking at like rank one legendaries and how to get them to rank six. Like, it's just what? Like, <laughs> how? Hum? Why am I have to get soul cinders again? Like for, and it's just. Yeesh. Um, this, and it's always, uh, you know, it's per legendary and it's per legendary tier. And it just, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It, it, it is it, a lot. And it sounds like we're complaining and maybe partially we are, but like this oh, is. Oh, I straight up am, man. I'm not hiding it. 
<laughs> but I'm <laughs> complaining because not because I hate the game. Yeah, well, not you, that's that's angry, the point that I was going to make. But yes. I do feel like there's a there's a certain point where you're like they're they're making good strides towards making stuff more accessible. I feel like the the interview Eon gave uh, about four or five months ago now, actually closer to six months ago now, where he talked about how they're like listening to the players and they're trying to make things more accessible and make things easier for all. That's all there. And they they are working on that. It's good. It's just going to take time. But the the stuff with the legendaries is very much the legacy of Shadowlands when it went live, mm-hmm. where legendaries were. Uh, I'm going to just go with what my wife said. I don't want my gear to be a baffling ordeal that I must puzzle my way <laughs> through. You know, it's it it is like what is? I remember a time when legendaries were. I got a drop off of a guy, and then I went and got a hammer made, and I combined them, and then I had the thing. Now it's like, you know, step one, you know, gather forth the flux of the cosmos. It's like, what? Okay. <laughs> I, I, and the thing that Liz pointed out, at least, at least the belt thing switches. Yeah. At least if you're changing your covenant, you don't have to craft an entirely new legend. I will give them that. I think that's a good move. But I think the thing is that if you already have your covenant legendary, I don't think that works for double legendaries, does it? It has to be this new switching one. It has to be the new one, I think. Yep. If yeah. I remember reading it. So it's like I current my character currently has a covenant legendary equipped because it's really good for them. And uh, I'm not going to be able to double legendary with that. I need to get a new legendary of the legendary I am wearing. So it just seems like a a complicated system. And it's, I don't think it's very accessible because it's hard to understand. Like this legendary you'll get works differently than all other legendaries. I don't know that it's explained very well in the game. And it's just, it's a whole thing that doesn't make a lot of sense. I almost kind of wish that they would, this is what I wish the player council would have wound up doing with some of this stuff is, hey, if we try to explain this to you, as a person who only plays the game and not as a developer, do you understand what this is doing? And if the answer is no, going back and seeing how we can explain it better. Cause like there, I'm going to quote sort of a weird, weird thing for this, but I always think of office space when this comes up. And I always think about, I'm the guy that talks between the, the, the customers. So the developers don't have to, and it's like, <laughs> they don't have that person anymore. That goes and say it says, do you does this make sense? Do you understand this until it's actually released to the wild? Because there's only so much testing you can do uh, on a PTR. There's almost only so much you can do because, to be perfectly honest, and we've talked about this before, and it's the same thing with like testing any sort of software. Anything you do with the PTR, it's going to be a very limited window and a very limited amount of people that are actually going to do it, try it, and submit feedback. And it's like, I think that the, the number is like 2% of players that actually play on the PTR will give feedback and maybe 1% of that feedback is constructive uh, versus, you know, quote unquote, this sucks and then nothing else. Um, I'm not saying that that's exactly how it is, but like, I remember it being like a really shockingly low number. And then you get to production where it's pushed out live because it's the best that they can make it. And then you have players that find out exactly how it's going and start being vocal about it like we do uh, so that maybe hopefully they can adjust things to begin with. But if there was somebody that could actually interface that earlier or something to encourage players to experience it and give feedback earlier than waiting for actual release, we'd probably solve half of these problems. We just, I want to walk into these things, not feeling like I need a translator. Yeah. And you really, you really do need a translator in that 
You need someone who understands how players think and someone who understands how developers think and mm-hmm. can bridge that gap. Because I think there's always going to be a, a, a need for that. But I remember mm-hmm. Allison Roberts, of all people. Um, by the way, Allison, I wish you were around more. Um, she wrote a really good post a long time ago about how players will be ruthlessly rational even when it is to their ultimate detriment yep for short for short term gain i still have that printed out and pasted on my wall yeah and and that is something we're seeing with this legendary stuff people who are who grasp the system will exploit it to its absolute best to get the best gear as fast as possible and everybody else is standing around going what is this and i i do feel like that but i do also think we have to like move on a little bit here because uh, we have other things to talk about. Um, I do think we need to talk about something that is not patch 9.2. It's And it's not even an announcement, but it, it wasn't something we managed to talk about during last week's podcast. So I'm going to mention it here. Uh, during the Love is in the Air uh, holiday, people were pretty upset about the, the sheer pain of attempting to get that mount. Because like a lot of holiday mounts that drop, that drop in the bag or whatever for the doing the holiday the best way to attempt to get it is simply to have as many alts as possible that can run it and just run it on all of them every day until it's yeah, over. Like Unless you're 10, a dozen alts a day. It's just like, Oh, I mean, horrible. I did that. I did that for, I mean, when did the mount become available? How many years a has it been now? A long time ago, a very long time ago. This has been in the game for a very long time. So 10 alts every day during the holiday for the entire time that the holiday thing has been available for the mounts, and I have yet to receive them. There is definitely maybe, a problem, just throwing it out there. Yeah, Maybe Wrath? Yeah, Wrath. Well, Wrath sounds right. Keep in mind, too, that like other holidays, like the Brewfest one. The Brewfest mount has been in the game since BC. Uh, I remember doing Brewfest to get that mount going all the way back to BC and when it was a completely different system mm-hmm. when you would queue up in a group, like, and then you would rotate people in and out of the group because people only, you know, you could only summon it once, but you could get a chance at the drop every time you killed it. So you need to get people to bring in their alts to summon the boss again. That, that was the headless horseman thing too. Yep. Uh, Corin Diabru. But, when they switch it to the hold, current system, hold on which, a second. I got to call this out. Griffey says in chat, 777 runs as of this year, 22 characters by the end. No mount. That is insane. I am so sorry, Griffey. Please. The Brewfest thing. The Brewfest thing is that's pretty much my experience with Brewfest was I had alts that I just had so I could run Brewfest on them because I wanted the Kodo on my Alliance characters. I wanted the Kodo. Oh, yeah. I missed the Kodo. So, and I eventually got it just through sheer luck. Um, but I, the point that they made the, in the, in the blue post, the, I forget which CM it was, I'm sorry, but the point that they made was that, you know, yeah, it, it doesn't feel good that the, the best way to go about this, to maximize your chances is to run it like 10 to 15 times a day, just on different, just on alts to, to, to basically level alts for the express purpose of running this encounter over and over and over and over again which is the opposite of what they've been trying to do with everything in the game. So they're looking at ways to make it better. That's all we have. We do not have any information on what they're looking to do. I'm just happy that they're looking at it. They don't know what they want to do because they've just started looking at this. They, but they, they're, they're out there saying, you know, you're right. This is not fun. This is, this is making this into chores. And that to me is the real takeaway from a lot of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in WoW right now that is a chores. 
Um, world quests have kind of become chores. I, I think going forward, one of the things I would like to see for World of Warcraft is that they they make stuff less like a list of chores you have to do to to get the things you want to 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 be the the you know to to, to experience the game. It shouldn't be like having to clean my room. Um, <laughs> And that's that's something I think I think they are trying to do, and I do see signs of that in stuff they're doing. But that's definitely something for for the mounts, like the people telling the stories with the love rocket, or you know, at least with Long Strange Trip, it's it's an achievement. Yeah, I mean, there's problems with that one too, like the fact that one of the achievements is a PvP achievement that is co- dependent on other players letting you do it. Um, that Long Strange, I I I saw people like rage quit. And like not come back for a week oh, over yeah. the love is in the air. Yeah. Yeah. No, right there. So uh but, but yeah, that's that's happening. So uh it's late enough that I want to get to some questions here. So we're gonna do the emails type thing that we've been doing this whole existence of this podcast. Um wow, I just had a flashback to twenty fifteen. Uh <laughs> it's our seventh anniversary, by the way, guys. Uh this month is the seventh anniversary month and and I am feeling it. Uh, cause, cause yeah, 2015, we started this in 2015. Anyway, if you have a question for the podcast, hold on. I got to molder into a, a skeletal corpse covered in cobwebs. But while I'm doing that, you can either email us at blizzardwatch.com. No, sorry. Podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. Uh, or you can go to our discord. We've got two channels, one of them for patrons because we want to give patrons, a a decent shot at getting their questions answered. Uh, that's the patron Q and podcast questions channel, I believe. And it the is, other channel yes. is the Q questions channel. Uh, you can, you can ask there if you're not a patron, but we do look at the patron one first because you know, they, they pay the bills. It's, it's a nice thing we do for them because they do a nice thing for us and let us have a website and let us do the things we do. So as is always the case, uh, I like random chance to determine who <laughs> answers the first question. So, uh, I am thinking of a color. Mauve. Joe, you're up. I, I that had, the color had nothing to do with it. Just I wanted you to know I okay. was thinking of a color. <laughs> Fantastic. You're up. All right. Uh, greetings. I had a pair of related questions for you all. Uh, I am catching up on the past podcast episodes back in the summer. You all received multiple questions about Blizzard going into other genres of games. I also remembered from years ago that Joe also mentioned one of his favorite games was Freelancer. To jog the memory, if needed, the lead characters were Edison Trent and Junko Zane. Uh, I love the space sim type games. No Man's Sky is one of my favorite favorites right now as well. However, if it ever comes out, I would totally love to play Star Citizen. Anyways, I was just curious what your thoughts about if Blizzard should enter into the space sim genre since no one brought up that genre. Uh, yeah, kind of. That would be pretty sweet, actually. I like Space Sims, which should surprise no one if you've talked with me for more than five minutes. Um, I like the idea of it. I think that they are super fun when done right, and I think that certain things like the idea of Star Citizen uh, are very, very cool. I would love to see Blizzard's take on it, especially if it's something set in the StarCraft universe. The StarCraft universe is one that we have barely explored. Let's be perfectly honest. We have what we've seen in the games, but they're always RTS-focused for obvious reasons. I'd love to be able to explore things like planets and star systems 
and what else is out there? What what has the Zerg consumed? What hasn't the Zerg consumed? Uh, what other human settlements are out there? We know that there's entire things like there's two completely separate like human civilizations, for the lack of a better way of putting it. What do their worlds look like? We've only ever seen like really a bar on a backwaters planet. And I think that's really it. And like everything else has been on starships. Let's explore that a little bit more. You could do some really cool stuff with that. Uh, and I would 100% gobble that up. So that's my take. What do you guys think? I don't know that I think anything that you haven't said. It's like this feels like a natural for the StarCraft universe. And I was always a much bigger fan of StarCraft than WarCraft. I would love to see Blizzard do more exciting future space games. So yeah, why not? Why not do a space sim exploration game in the StarCraft universe? That could work great. And you could bring this franchise back up, bring this, you know, really interesting world back into the modern gaming space, which because StarCraft hasn't been uh, something Blizzard has done much work on in many years now. I feel like StarCraft has had some of the worst luck on mm. projects they've tried to set in the universe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. StarCraft Ghost was like something that could have been really interesting and then just never happened. And we found out in 2019 that Blizzard stopped work on a, a game using the Overcraft, the Overwatch engine that would have been like a single person StarCraft something. They were calling it Mars, I think, or Ares. Uh, Ares, I think. Ares, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just, they just stopped. They were like, nope, we're going to do something else. I feel like... I'm hopeful that despite the fact that there are a lot of possible bad things that could happen with the Activision Blizzard being purchased by Microsoft thing, I I remember, I think you made this point, Liz, that they put StarCraft front and center. Oh, yeah. Uh, of the games that they were going to be getting. The, of the games they were getting from this purchase, uh, like three or four of them were Blizzard games. They were yeah. like, here are these Blizzard games we're going to get. Oh, yeah, and also Call of Duty, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it was... I think it was Blizzard games and Call of Duty and Candy Crush. Yeah, well, because Candy Crush, you know, that you you know that's one of the things. It's big. But, it's big. Yeah, it's very big. But it just was fascinating to me that StarCraft was up there. I feel like StarCraft has been getting the 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 rum deal. Oh yeah, yeah. For yeah. years, not just not just in StarCraft as it as the, the RTS can, itself. Can can I say that it feels like once they figured out they couldn't monetize it, at least back then, that they just kind of abandoned it? Like that's what it feels like to me. There certainly is a certain amount of you know we can't we can't live service this so because they that was at yeah. the same time that they were releasing Diablo three at the Real Money Auction House, like at exactly the same time. Yeah, but at least Diablo found a way to keep going. Um. I definitely feel like there could be something, a space sim with the StarCraft universe would certainly not be something I would be upset about. But I also wouldn't mind seeing, like, they when they were developing Overwatch, they had a lot of concepts that they never really knew what to do with. Mm -hmm. And I'm always stuck by that that image that led to the character who is now known as Cole Cassidy. There was an image of a just a, a science fiction high-tech cowboy on some, on some backwater space planet space planet yeah as opposed to earth planet uh, <laughs> i'm turning into like if you guys ever saw space mutiny the uh mystery science theater 3000 yes i let that space bleep slip through our fingers it's like yeah as opposed to i'll turn you into space dust of course space dust because it's not yeah you know, anyway i would like to i would like to see if blizzard could maybe in doing a starcraft sim finally 
do a universe that is coherent as a, as a storytelling platform. Because they, they did you guys actually play StarCraft II? Yeah. All it's through. been a very long time. Very What's long. What's going on? <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, it is hard to know why we suddenly took a really hard, sharp turn into, like, magic powers and precursor aliens I mean, who we always knew existed, but suddenly they're like demons from another universe. It was, it, it get really strange. Uh, I, and I say this is someone who liked legacy of the void. I think legacy of the void is really good. It, it um, was definitely, it definitely went weird though. Yeah. Suddenly there's like this third group of protoss who are like really mad. Like, huh? We're dark, dark protoss. What? Not, why <laughs> why are they here oh, wait a minute those guys are the sith they're literally protoss sith what's going on guys when did this turn into star wars and not that i dislike that i like star wars but still i definitely would like to see a starcraft game that that tried to make sense of all this stuff and give you a place where you could actually find out more about the, the setting and all the stuff that you guys have both mentioned so yeah but i think that covers that um so liz uh now you get to read the next question. Uh, Wadzilla asks a question for Lorewatch, which it appears we have stolen. Yeah, we <laughs> did. didn't see that coming. <clears throat> Although, to be fair, I think I stole it because so many other questions were for Lorewatch or Blizzard Watch. Hmm. And I just assumed this one was too. <laughs> I saw a theory idea about the Dragon Isles that the more I think of it actually makes too much sense. What if the Dragon Isles aren't actually islands in the ocean? What if they're islands in the sky? Floating islands, if you will. If they're islands specifically for dragons, it would make sense that they would be in a place that only dragons could go, or other sentient flying creatures, but there's not many of them on Azeroth. Maybe a titan structure is what connects them all and keeps them afloat, or maybe you go the tried and true method and they're levitated by super mystical magic gems, like, I don't know, an emerald or something. My desire for sonic references and wow aside, I do think the Dragon Isles being in the sky would be a neat and nice change-up. What do you think? Uh, I think flying islands are really cool. And that's kind of, that's like the beginning. That's well, yeah, that's kind of the beginning and end of my thoughts on this. Like, but like, do y'all remember going into Burning Crusade, going to Outland for the first time? Yeah. And you saw these big chunks of rock floating in the air and you were like, whoa, I want to go there. I want to know what's up there. And, you know, it was flying was the big thing in that expansion. And you're like, I so they did put lots of crazy stuff in the sky and you're like, I want to go there. It just seems so, so magical and exciting. Uh, so yeah, flying islands. Let's have giant flying Titan structures. I love it. I love this idea. I don't know if it has anything to do with lore because I'm not that person. I just think it sounds really cool. I will say that I remember back to when they put Dalaran in the sky over Crystal Song Forest. And as a result, you couldn't do anything in Crystal Song Forest because there were so many people technically in that area <laughs> yep. up in Dalaran that the the zone was just like anything you try and spawn is just immediately like, you know, crashing everything. Instancing has come a long way since then, though. Yeah, absolutely. It has. But that means I would like to rethink the concept of imagine if you put like the Dragon Isles up in the sky like this. Let's assume that there's 
Because we've seen that the Titans do build flying structures or stuff like, look at the Halls of Valor, look at the uh, the uh, Palace, the Throne of the Four Winds uh, in Cataclysm. What if you actually had like a zone where there's aerial tertiality, like where you like go from the ground to the air to the to other places even higher in the air, and you maybe have it be tiered where you, you could have the final area like unlock. You could literally have a zone within a zone within a zone because they're on different levels. There's there's a, there's an idea here right, for designing a, a unique zone that I think would be fascinating to play around. But that's that's pretty much it for me in terms of that idea. I mean, nobody has said anything that I don't already readily agree with. I'll be perfectly honest. Like, I think it would be cool. I think it would be potentially something different because it's something that I've always thought about since going through like that those particular zones in Cataclysm, like going through and seeing like this elemental plane of of air and being able to do like raid in a dungeon there. It's like, well, these are more than a raid in a dungeon. We know that kind of like the Firelands, the Firelands, the representation we see is a small chunk of it, but it's supposed to be more more vast than that. Uh, like. I would love to see something along those lines. I think it would be a really cool, cool thing. And it would have a very distinct potential uh, dragony flair. Uh, and I would be here for it. So I I would be down. That's the TLDR. Right? And with that, Joe, you've given yourself a question to read. Indeed. Uh, which is another one that was for either Lorewatch or the Blizzard Watch podcast from our friend Vertigree. Uh, I bought the new card set with the gold with gold today. The new Anixia, the fourth Anixia card, is just so cool. She's so awesome. It was never found in the Shadowlands. I loved her appearance in the Chromey short story uh, Visage Day and was delighted at her musical roles uh, in the United in the United and Stormwind and Anixia's Lair cards and trailers. What story in Warcraft is there to tell? What cool tricks are up her sleeves? Uh, P.S. I just now thought of this wild thing. Hear me out. She split Varian in half. What if she split herself in half before any of her deaths? I believe it would be incredible. Don't really have a strong opinion on the uh, the Hearthstone side of things. Not going to lie. But what do you, what do you mean, guys think? The, the new Hearthstone set is, the, is kind of fun. It's Onyxia themed. It has a trailer that Onyxia sings like a little song. That's the trailer is Onyxia singing a song. Because Hearthstone, Hearthstone just does that. That's how it works in Hearthstone. Uh, but uh, the new Anixia card is Raid Boss Anixia because the set really draws back to the original Anixia's, ra- uh, Anixia's Lair Raid. And uh, the thing is, you play Anixia, and surprise, it summons a bunch of whelps when you play the card. And Anixia is immune until you kill all the whelps, which uh, that does kind of feel a little like playing in Anixia's lair. So I think it's cool the way they've mirrored sort of the WoW raid mechanics in a weird way in Hearthstone. Yeah, Matt? I think it would be as easy as saying that Anixia didn't die, that it was a construct or something. I, I, I could see Anixia coming back. I would actually, though, here's my thing. I was disappointed in Cataclysm for one reason. We got a ton of giant, angry kaiju Deathwing, and absolutely none of the political machinations of you know Lord Prester, mm-hmm. the guy he pretended to be. To, to like Deathwing is sharp. Yes, he's he's you know evil and crazy, but he's smart. I really didn't get any of smart Deathwing out of that expansion. And I was really sad about it. Like, we, like 
we talked to the other week about how they've brought Nefarian back in uh, the, the seasons of mastery for wild WoW classic and they've added stuff to the fight. But part of the fun of, Nef- of death of Nefarian was that he wasn't just a big angry dragon who breathed fire on you. He was clever. He, he, he mitigated the fight with, you know, his abilities. He caused you to do things that you didn't normally want to do to make things harder for you. He had, you know, those ad waves. He used the shadow flame. He was a thinker. And even when he came back in, in, in uh, Blackwing Descent, the encounter was very much about him using, like, you know, weird research and, and strange alchemical stuff and reanimating his dead sister and just how, you know, we don't, we never even got found out how he came back. You know what I mean? Like, he died. Yeah. yeah. We cut his head off. Uh, and yet, Deathwing showed up in, in Stormwind and pulled the, the heads off. And <laughs> suddenly they're both moving again. It's like, what? did you do it's How, you know and, and it's the same old it's the same old thing tempest yeah. keep was merely a setback yeah but i'd like to see like i would like to see anixia come back through some means just because i would like to see more of these characters i mean also now that i'm thinking about it like the only thing we've really heard about dragons of death is really ben yasera in all of shadowlands like i'm sitting here thinking about it now we've got none of the other stuff yeah, Malagos never showed up. Malagos isn't there. Um, Sinestra's not there. We know Sinestra was raised by the power of the Maw. Yep. Because, you know, the Lich King did it. What, yep. what happened to, like, you know... Sorry, um, not Sinestra. Syntharia, my bad. Uh, uh, what, what's his name? The um, the Prime Consort for um, Alexstrasza. Why can't I think of his name now? Crassus. Crassus. Coriolistras. Yeah, Coriolistras. Like, where are they? What happened to them? And, and like, uh, we were talking about this before. Maybe the Dragon Isles plays a part of that. Maybe Ysera is an odd one out. Maybe when dragons die, they don't actually go to the Shadowlands, and that's why you can do some of those weird things. Maybe there's a Titan facility that gathers their souls before they can go to the Shadowlands normally. And, you know reconstructs them or something along those lines. We, like, we, we saw a loon deliberately grab Ysera's yeah. spirit and hang it up in the sky. It's pretty obvious that the loon del- directly sent her there. Yeah. Which we now know because the loon was trying to help Ardenweld. So we know that that yeah. was part of it. Right. Plus we even, we even see Ysera's spirit walk through the Emerald dream. Yep. And you do the Emerald nightmare raid. So we know that she went through the dream on its, on her way to the Shadowlands. Maybe that's why she was there, but but regardless, yeah, I, I would love to see more Anixia. And maybe you know, um, and maybe we could start doing that. Maybe that could be what uh, the Dragon Isles like. If it becomes a thing, maybe that's something that it could do. It could start answering those questions for us. Give us more Anixia. Give us more of what happened with like flashback quests or or things like that with the political machinations. Like, there's a lot of. I'm getting all excited. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm I'm starting to get really jazzed with this idea. Like, there are some really really cool things you can do with this. Like people are talking about, Oh, I'm tired of dragons. I'm not give them to me. Give me more information. Cause we know literally nothing in the grand scheme of things. We know only what Titans have told us, which we know is unreliable at best. Like let's get more of this, please. Okay. Uh, and now that we've done that, I think we're going to move on to the next question. And that's going to actually bring up something. So Liz, <laughs> if you don't mind. Uh, here is a question from Airlock. What is, was your favorite WoW Machinima? Also, why has WoW Machinima almost disappeared? Uh, I'm going to have to go with a classic of Illegal Danish, which 
I don't know. It was always so, it was so weird when it came out and it just, it stuck in my head all these years. It's such a crazy, weird thing that they're questing for this illegal Danish and it just, none of it makes sense, but it's great. <laughs> yeah. See, you're, you're laughing just thinking I, about it. Because I remember this. it. I remember yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, what was it? So what was yeah. It? What about y'all? What was the one? I have three possible. Go, so go for it, man. I have to look up the name of this one because I can't remember the name of it. Please go. There was a machinima that basically used Black Rock Mountain as its setting and the song Skull Crusher Mountain by Jonathan Colton as the, the base of the song of the, the machinima. It was just wow characters singing the song Skull Crusher Mountain. Uh, if you've not heard the song, then I recommend you go hear it. It was good. The second was, uh, do you guys remember the guy Known Chewer? Yes. Uh, he did some really amazing stuff with the then WoW engine. We're going back 11 years here, but the one I really liked was before Cataclysm came out, he did a Gilnean Like Me. We're using the song Wolf Like Me um, by TV on the radio. Um, and it was just really good. The song's good. The animation's good. Uh, he did a really good job of showing like the then Worgen model, which was the one from Wrath of the Lich King, not the one we got in cataclysm because he didn't have access to that but it was really good at you know brief little story of them at the forsaken invading gilneas and finding out there's werewolves there and getting chased down and murdered <laughs> um it was good i, I remember think. when they did a the, the the cover of werewolves of london but it was werewolves of gilneas yeah. i remember that yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> and my third one uh this one's kind of hard because it's a joke to so many people at this point because it's been brought up a ton uh but I, I do like Blind. I'm sorry. It's good. It, it's very good. There's a reason yeah. why it's people's go-to when this question gets asked. Yeah, but since I like him personally, I'm going to also say Taron Gregory did return. Yes, he did. And that that's the one that got him hired at Blizzard. Yes, it is. And it's really good. I mean, you know, it's one of those ones that I remember watching at the time and thinking, geez, this is really good. And without return... We wouldn't have gotten the Wrathgate in, in like cinematic in WoW. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have gotten a ton of these things that we've had over the years. So, of the two, I'm gonna go with Return, but Blind would be number four if I if I was gonna list it. But I'm gonna go with with Return just because I don't want people to be like, oh God, Blind again. <laughs> I've got three, and I'll go through them real quick because I know we're running out of time here. Uh, one, I absolutely love the code monkey one. I think it is absolutely hysterical because one, I like that song. It was at a very particular point in my life. And I think the uh, machinima version is hilarious. Um, uh, one that I think is, I will always love, but I understand it's problematic with the creator and some of the things and some of the lyrics are not great, but cranium used to do some really good stuff as far as like music videos went back in the day for wow stuff um and captain placeholder will always have a special place in my heart um i do just love that song musically um and then probably the one that i that will always stay with me the most was the biggest joke one that everybody quotes but a lot of people don't know where the quote is actually from and it's the story of pepitos and it's You'll buy cat 50 MSK like that whole thing for whatever reason just stuck with me and has just informed so much of like my early days of wow. Like I think that came out in like 
Burning Crusade era. I think it was like 2007-ish. Like, yeah, uh, it just kind of stuck with me. But those are those are some of my favorites, and I absolutely... Right, as for all. why it faded away, is we got to remember that Machinima really was in its high- heyday just before YouTube got big. Yes. And there was like a lot of like effort to get those things online. In a way, with the rise of YouTube and the rise of other services to host videos... It's just since it's easier to just make a video, the the effort that people put in for Machinima isn't really necessary anymore. And nowadays, that the kind of stuff that you saw in Machinima is done through other means. A lot of people don't use games to do that kind of stuff anymore um, for various reasons. I'm not 100%, like, I'm not an expert. But I definitely think that the, the change around, like, I remember having to go to Machinima.com and, and download videos <laughs> to watch them. Yeah. Um, yeah, you couldn't. You could not stream them. You had to download them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think YouTube like really only started getting big around 2006, right? Uh, end of 2006, beginning of 2007 is when YouTube really started hitting its stride. Weird to think about, yeah. right? Yeah, and the original when, Wild this stuff when it came wasn't out owned by Google. It wasn't owned by yeah. Google. So yeah, I, I think that that is a big part of it. Uh, that they the they stuck in the head and became more important to us because a they were harder to make and get online, and b in order to watch them, you had to make significant effort. And paradoxically, when videos could be more easily made, they tended to move away from the constructed formula of Machinima mm-hmm. and into stuff that's more, you know, easily accessible. But that's that's just my theory. I don't actually. But I guess that's going to wrap us up tonight, you guys think? Yeah, we are at the time marker as far as my, uh, my uh, stopwatch does. All right. Uh, then, Liz, you got something? Because I thought you were going to say something. Just- no, no. Okay, I was. You know, I'm always trying to make sure. Um, Joe, if you don't mind, time to do the thing. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at Patreon.com/slash/BlizzardWatch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. Uh, to you all you guys listening, uh, thank you as well. Uh, ugh, I'm having a real hard time talking all of a sudden. That's great that you're stopping talking during a podcast, Matt. If you guys have a question for the show, uh, as we mentioned before, you can send it to our podcast at blizzardwatch.com email. And and I wish you would. Seriously, it, it's really nice to see emails in there. Um, or you can also use our Discord server. Uh, we've got the patron Q and podcast questions channel and the Q questions channel for non-patrons. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Uh, on behalf of myself and Liz and Joe, I want to thank you all for being here with us, and we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.